it's going to take the chain of command being sued to get them to listen and to pay attention. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Changing the Culture podcast with your host, me, Autumn Clifford. Today, we have a very, very, very special guest that uh, if you are a sheepdog, if you are a first responder, then you know who this gentleman is. But if for some reason you live under a rock, his name is Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman. He has been a huge advocate for law enforcement, for first responders, for all sheepdogs everywhere. He's written multiple books. Um, his resume goes on and on and on. And he just is honestly one of the kindest souls and you know, biggest supporters of the blue and the red <laughs> and the gold line and the green line. And he is, he's truly amazing. And this, in this uh, specific podcast, you are going to hear him talk um, and then at the end, you get to hear my mastermind um, ask him questions live, which was absolutely amazing. I hope that you enjoy. I am so excited to introduce you to this um, podcast episode and this guest, this expert that I have on. Um, I've had him on before, but I just I could have him on every single week and be totally good with it. Um, we have Cur- uh, Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman on. Colonel, could you introduce yourself to us? Hi, Autumn. I'm so glad to be back on with you, Jim. Your wonderful audience and your wonderful message. I'm Dave Grossman, retired uh, Army Lieutenant Colonel, Press Service Buck Sergeant, uh, Paratrooper, Army Ranger, West Point Psychology Professor, uh, author of a couple of books on killing on combat. My most recent book, and one of the things we should talk about today, my most recent book is on spiritual combat. And faith is really a critical component in resiliency and and, and we want to emphasize that to your listeners, or those that are focused that way. And two new books just came out. Uh, a year ago was, uh, was Bulletproof Marriage, 90-Day Devotional, over 100 reviews on Amazon, five stars, really, really been a blessing. Uh, it was nominated. It, it's a finalist for the Christian Book Award, which is huge. Huge. And, and I think it was all those five-star reviews online that really brought it to them. It's the first time the publisher's ever had a finalist. But the follow-on book is even more important, on spiritual combat. Uh, in the end, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, most responders will tell you they've looked at evil. They have seen the face of evil. Mm. And, and there are people who believe in evil, but they don't believe in good. Yes. And, 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 and that's a, a recipe for destruction. Mm. You, if you realize that there's evil in this world, then who could deny it? You have to call upon an a equal or superior force of good to be on your side. 100%. And, and that's what the book on spiritual... Uh, combat is all about, and, uh, and 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 I think it's a critical piece of the equation that uh, we've all got to stop and think. Uh, you know, we we look in the eyes of evil, and we need to have the force of good on our side. So, a lot of great resources on combat, on killing. My book, Assassination Generation. Since we talked, I I was invited to the White House to brief uh, Vice President uh, Kemp. I gave him a copy on the video games, and and so we've been able to test some lives with that. Amazing. And uh, and you're rocking on your end. With, <laughs> Proud to be on board. Well, thank you. Um, I want to go back real quickly. So first off, I want to tell you this. We love Adam Davis, and Adam is actually coming in and to speak um, into our mastermind um, soon. So in a, in a month or so, he'll be in. So that will be exciting. We love Adam. Um, Adam is brilliant. And, and you know, uh, he and I are working on an uh, online uh, spiritual uh, combat class, spiritual warfare class. And we just announced it on Facebook and, uh, and LinkedIn today, an online spiritual combat class. It's going to be huge. 
Adam's Amazing. doing a lot of the material, but it's straight on, you know, we'll be building on, on spiritual combat and there'll be a clip for me every lesson and we'll, we'll, we'll tag team everybody on it. So Adam's an amazing, just yeah. a powerhouse of a guy. I'm so glad you like him and, and your mm -hmm. audiences. If you haven't had a chance to, to touch base with Adam Davis, you, Davis you need to listen when, uh, when he's on this show, ready to go. Yeah, for sure. He's amazing. So when you, and we'll be sure to share that, by the way, we'll be sure to share about your um, course. So what I want to ask you is you said, you know, in the beginning, I mean, we, um, you know, as sheepdogs, we face evil, right? Now, here's my question to you. What do you say to the person who doesn't believe? Now, now, maybe they're like, it's not that I don't believe in good, Right. I just yeah. I, maybe they're not um, a follower of Christ yet yeah. or yeah. whatever. What do you say to that person, that sheepdog? You know, in, in uh, on spiritual combat, we really begin with that. Um, you know, if, if there is a God, he's not hiding under a rock somewhere. You mm -hmm. know, and, and if you need a force of good to call upon, it's the one that's been there across the centuries. You know, if you think that, uh, that that you and a couple of selected people have suddenly found God, was your God's not a very strong God if nobody mm. else even knows about him. Mm. My God would have their, uh, their, their word in every hotel room in the land and around the world. My God would have temples in, 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 in the churches in, uh, in, in every, every, every city and every nation and be heard around the world. His people would have prosperity. But, you know, what, what we say to people up front is, uh, uh, you know, the, the world offers you a, a, a motto it says life is hard then you die right mm -hmm. you know every day it, it, life's a dirt sandwich every day you got to take another bite right mm -hmm. and and the alternative is uh to live as christ and die as gain mm. you know we were made to thrive and god wants us to thrive he truly he has a recipe for success and happiness that is unequaled throughout human history mm. and it is a it is a uh a powerful, powerful resource we can lean on. And let me give you an angle on this. In, in the end, <clears throat> when we talk about resiliency, we talk about being able to sustain ourselves across the years. What you got to do <clears throat> is identify all the things you can't control and let go of them. Yes. It's called the internal locus of control. Yes. You know, the, the, the environment, national politics, there is nothing you can do about them right now. Right. The only thing in the universe you can control is yourself right mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. and if we give weight to bitterness or cynicism or complacency or denial that is the one thing in the universe we can control mm. and you've given the world a victory with your own hand and we will not give them that victory but here's mm -hmm. the key all of those things that are beyond your control you got to turn them over to a higher power and you know that's it's alcoholics anonymous hey, hey. they're not unique to any particular uh, faith but they say you've got to have a higher power to turn these things over to. And AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, have helped more alcoholics mm -hmm. than all the counselors on the planet put together. Yeah. And it's a simple mechanism, 12 steps, you know, and then it begins with, with turning it over to higher power, recognizing there are things in this world I cannot control and letting go of those things. And so this path of being able to let go of those things is very powerful. If you're not called in that direction, there's other ways to skin that cap. But get educated, get informed. Uh, if if we're right, if we're wrong, we lose nothing. Mm. We've led a good life. We've had joy in our life. We've allowed it in. If we're right, we gain everything. We gain eternity. We gain everything. Mm. And the thing to realize is that uh, a loving God wants us to live a good, full, and rich life. And those people want to tell you about it. I was one of those guys that talk about Jesus freaks and get away from me. 
I mean, why are you all so happy? Get away from me. Why do you want to tell me about all this? Go away. Leave me alone. Yeah. And I began to realize that they had something that I want. Mm. They had a joy in their life. They had a goodness in their life and a desire to share that thing. And, and, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, over the years, it, you know, it, I, I got a chapter in my book about the hound of heaven. And I talk about, uh, you know, how God pursues us relentlessly with his love. But, you know, I, I, I talk about being a sheepdog under the authority of the great shepherd. You know, being God's child, that's hard. You know, mm. I know when we get there, we'll be able to look at the father as an adopted child. But right now, just being God's faithful dog is all I can handle. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we love dogs because they love us. And, and all God asks of us is our love, and that's all we have to give. And we love gods because they're loyal, dogs because they're loyal, and they love us. And, uh, and, uh, and, and you know... Dogs are a great model in loyalty and courage and love, but you know they lick inappropriate parts of their body, and, <laughs> and, and, and their sexual practices are not even remotely a good model for us, right? But we know that. We know that. We understand them. We forgive them their failures, and God sees our failures. He sees our similar kinds of limitations. Yeah, can, you know, just like I can forgive my dog for being who she is. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and God can forgive us and understand us for being who we are. And, and, I, and I wrap up the book by saying, one day the sheepdog will rest at the feet of the great shepherd. Mm. And we yearn to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Mm. So, it, uh, you know, I did a series of memes online going up to the book on, uh, on LinkedIn. Go to LinkedIn and look at my article. I, on my, I did it, instead of the daily meme, I put all the memes together in an article. And the one that was just, a, just, just, Everybody posting it, forwarding it, was that quote. There's this, this gray-muzzled old dog mm -hmm. resting in the green grass. Mm -hmm. And it says, one day the sheepdog will finally rest at the feet of the great shepherd. We yearn to hear those words, all done the good and faithful servant. Mm. And, uh, and, and it's, it's a pretty neat thing. And, and so for those of you that are, that are focused in that direction, we can build on it. We all have a sense of faith. Our book, uh, uh, Bulletproof Marriage, is about applying that leverage of your of your faith of this higher power towards having a better relationship with your spouse. Yes. And, uh, and boy, just look at the reviews, look at, look at the lives that have been touched that people have been able to do this and make that happen. And, and what's been there across the years is still there for us. And the, what is, it is no secret that God can do what he's done for others. He can do for you. You know, mm -hmm. it, but you know uh, when we start talking about the things we can control, yeah, uh, you know, there this culture is 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 under attack. You want to talk about some of the suicide issues that are your concerns and lay a foundation, and then I'll I'll come back at that and yeah, and maybe give your listeners some good info. Yeah, so here's here's the thing, right? And I know you know this, but just for anybody listening, I want to go over this: is um, the, the first responder, the statistics of first responder suicide is just it's. It's unbearable. We're losing more officers and firefighters um, in to their own hand than we are in the line of duty. This this statistic has been going on for the last two years. Um, this year, this is it doesn't seem to be any different. In fact, I I would assume it's probably worse. That does what I want everybody to know. That doesn't mean that I don't care to find out the statistics for the corrections officers or the EMTs or any other. Um, I know that the veteran statistics are like really bad. Um, I just, honestly, I can't find anything for the correctional officers. I've been looking on anyway. So I just want everybody to know that, but I know that it's bad. Right. And so what I do, um, I, I go out there and with this podcast, I talk a lot of, um, on social media and I get to talk with people and people reach out to me and what I'm finding, 
I'm finding that, you know, the culture itself, okay, is we are not, we haven't changed the culture in a progressive manner as far as to better this. I had an, I had an opportunity to go to the International Association Chiefs of Police Conference um, in October. It was in Chicago. And the number one topic was police suicide. Well, that could be because Chicago PD has like, um, it was like five or six. It was last year they lost eight officers. And I know at least two or three of them took their own lives in their patrol cars. That's following behind NYPD. NYPD, obviously, um, it does have the, like one of the leading um, rates of suicide. And so here's the thing. The question becomes why? Every time I hear about it, I'm like, why? Right? Um, being an officer myself, I've felt frustrated. I have been there. I've been down the depths. I was injured on in the line of duty, got taken out of full-time police work, and my doctor said no more. So I've been there, right? So my question to you would be is, what do you think within the culture of what we can control as officers, like what can we change? All right. Well, the thing to begin with is understand this is a worldwide phenomenon mm. around the planet. About two years ago, this great article in uh, Economics Magazine about this worldwide epidemic of suicide. Uh, it's up everywhere. It's up for everyone. For, for responders, even more so. Now, there's some misinformation out there. Uh, some of you may have heard that 22 veterans a day take their life. But the word veteran means anybody who served in the armed forces. Yes. And in the 40s and 50s and 60s, he drafted everybody. Elvis Presley was drafted. He served two years. Elvis was a veteran. So you see, uh, most of those 22, and every suicide's a tragedy. One is one too many, but only one or two are from the current war. They want you to think it's all from the current war. Got it. When mm -hmm. in reality, most of them are 70, 80, 90-year-old men. And, and suicide among our elderly is another whole topic. Yes. Some people talk about self-euthanasia and and a tragedy all by itself. But understand what we're dealing with here is a worldwide dynamic. And, and among those under great stress, it's even more so. Mm -hmm. And our responders are paying a terrible price. In our military, in just the last year or so, it's gone up. So the thing to recognize is the U.S. Armed Forces studies every suicide intensely. Mm -hmm. The only ones who study everyone, call it what it is, report it to a central location. You know, it's so hard to get this data. Uh, you know, and, and in a law enforcement community, I've had so many people tell me, you know, X number of police suicides reported and about the same number that we hit. They hide them. You know, they had accident cleaning his weapon. You know, they had a, mm -hmm. they, you know, the sergeant always carried a cleaning kit in a pocket. He dropped the cleaning kit. Oh, I had an accident cleaning his weapon. You know, mm -hmm. so how many are being hit? We don't know. One car accidents, a lot of other things that could be going on out there that are suicides. But here's something to understand. In the U.S. Armed Forces, our suicides have nothing to do with combat. Mm -hmm. Non-combat vet is as like to take their life as a combat vet. Yes. But a sleep-deprived soldier can be up mm. to five times more likely to take their life. Mm. If we really gave a damn about suicides and traffic deaths, the place we would begin is sleep. Now, here's mm -hmm. the key. Sleep deprivation creates impaired judgment. 18 hours without sleep, in, you are impaired judgment equal to 0.08 legally drunk. 24 hours without sleep, your impaired judgment equal to 0.10 above legally drunk. Mm -hmm. Two nights without sleep and you are psychotic. Any graduate of Army Ranger School 
We're talking about hallucinations on the third day without sleep. Yeah. And we're in the middle of a worldwide epidemic of sleep deprivation. Yes. Now, taking your life is not a natural act. Mm -hmm. Every living organism has a powerful drive towards self-preservation. To, to take your life, to jump off that cliff, to take, put that boat in your head, it's, it's almost impossible to comprehend. You have to have profoundly impaired judgment. Yes. And alcohol and suicide have always been closely related. Mm -hmm. Alcohol creates impaired judgment. You make a bad decision, you have a chance to rethink it. So in that, in that economic magazine article about a worldwide epidemic of suicide, mm -hmm. they talked about alcohol as a factor. And one of the few exceptions in recent years has been Russia. Now, when the Soviets were running Russia, they had a horrendous suicide rate. So they led the world in bringing suicide down by strictly limiting and rationing alcohol. Mm. Suicide numbers went down. Mm. Well, the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, free enterprise, alcohol for everybody, and Russia had a horrendous suicide rate. So the only ones in the whole world who were bucking the trend during that time frame, when this came out two years ago, was Russia. How'd they do it? By strictly rationing alcohol. So you've got to understand that alcohol and suicide are closely related. It creates impaired judgment. The most pervasive form of impaired judgment is sleep deprivation. Mm. Teen suicides have exploded. Teenagers, call them teenagers, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. Teenage girls' suicide rate has tripled per capita in America in just the last decade. So here's parenting 101 for the 21st century. When you send your kid to bed at night, take their cell phone away from them. Mm -hmm. No laptop in the room, no cell phone in the room. They have got to go to the room and sleep. A cop came up to me during a break in my presentation. He said, I had a good girl. He said she was an A student. She said, dad, it's embarrassing. You don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. He said, so I trust her a little, keep her cell phone. He said, a little while later, she took her life. He said, my little girl took her life. Wow. And he said, we never knew the hell she was living in until we looked at the text messages on her cell phone. Night after night of ceaseless, relentless, vicious bullying. Mm. And you can't just turn that stuff off. We're not wired that way. She's up all night long trying to defend herself, trying to find somebody to stand up for her. He said, I knew my little girl was bullied to death. What I didn't understand until now, she was sleep deprived tormented and bullied to death in front of my eyes and I let it happen. Wow. He said, I can't ignore that text message in the middle of the night. How can he expect our kids to? And, and the video games are intended to be addictive, impossible to turn off. Every generation of games gets more addictive and more powerful. They're designed to put us in a flow state where we're incapable of keeping track of time. Suddenly, we've all been there. Anybody who's ever played games, Suddenly, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Got no idea where the last six hours went. Mm -hmm. and, and you got to go to work in three hours. Yes. And, and what I tell people is, look, you know, there's nothing wrong with adults playing any game. But you've got to set a timer. Yeah. You've got to recognize this thing is designed to make me lose track of time. Every generation of games gets more and more addictive, more immersive. I tell them, all you old timers, ever remember Tetris? Remember Tetris? Yes. Think Tetris on steroids with crack. Yes. And each generation is more addictive, more powerful. That's their only objective to make these games impossible to turn off, to make them addictive, desirable. Mm 
Mm. Adults are playing the games until they die. Adults mess themselves and wet themselves with the sex because they can't leave the game. Research tells us 15% of all divorces in America, video games are the cause. 15% of all divorces. Google all right. video game divorce. Come right up. This, the spouse says, what's more important, your family or the game? That's easy. The game. Divorce. And, and, and so what I tell people is, block out an hour, two every night. Set a timer. Play for an hour. Ding, the timer goes off. Use your steely warrior discipline. Save the game and move on. Mm. You say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I play a major, massive, metamorphic, online orgasmic game. You can't do it if you hour do it like I said, okay, it's cool. It's cool. Decide now what's important. Is your oath as a peace officer important? Is your vow of marriage important? Is your family important? Is your health important? Is your job important? Are the people you serve important? Or is that mm. game important? Decide now. Because right. that game's what's really important. It's cool. Yeah. Quit your job right now. Move into your parents' basement. Draw unemployment. Buy a Johnny economy size bag of Cheetos. Play video games all night long. Millions of people are doing that. But you want to have a life, you got to get those things under control. Yes. And I see people in the audience look at me like a deer in the headlights. Say, whoa, you're talking to me. I said, it's cool. Nobody ever told you this before. It's a social blind spot. Mm. And, and sleep is what we call a biological blind spot. Our bodies don't know how to make us get enough sleep. It mm. always happened naturally. It got dark every night. Yep. Our bodies are amazingly good at making us get the right amount of air, food, water. Everything, how good the body is getting the right amount of food. How much extra food would a kid have to eat put on one extra pound a month? If a kid puts on one extra pound a month, by the time he's 10, He's 120 pounds overweight. Yeah. And, and, and so we got to realize our body's okay at getting air food. Why as we get older, it gets harder? Mm-hmm. The body is absolutely incompetent at making us get enough sleep. It's a biological blind spot. We got to make it happen. We got to mm. manage our sleep. I'm a huge fan of the fitness trackers. And, and especially when they track sleep. Yeah. That fitness tracker, if I were king and I could get every responder one gift, I think I'd give them the Fitbit Charge 3. It's waterproof, wear it in the shower, wear it in the pool. It tracks your steps, it tracks your calories, it tracks your heart rate, which is a key piece of information throughout the day. And it tracks your sleep and your cycles of sleep. Mm. Wear the little wristband, download the app. It's idiot proof. Mm -hmm. Dude, he said, you're an adult and you need seven to eight hours of sleep a day. And for the last three months, you've got less than four hours of sleep a day. You're killing yourself. You can't keep going like this. So it's the elephant in the living room. It's a key factor in traffic deaths. We know that, 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 that alcohol and sleep deprivation, the two major factors in traffic deaths. And suicide and traffic deaths are the two major killers of our cops and our firefighters. Mm-hmm. Now, decade after decade around the world, we bought traffic deaths down. Airbags, seatbelts, technology, all of the good stuff. And then in the last couple of years, worldwide, traffic deaths are back up again. Mm-hmm. What is the new factor worldwide? Just, just Google worldwide epidemic of sleep deprivation and look at all the research and studies telling us. We got social media. We've got text messaging. I tell people, people who text message you in the middle of the night without a darn good reason are not your friends. Yeah, agreed. You tell them, I will block your tail right now. Mm-hmm. You, you don't text message me in the middle of the night or I will block you right now. Mm-hmm. Friends respect friends sleep. This is the cultural change we need to make. We need to look at sleep as a combat multiplier, as a life-saving tool. 
Mm. It, it's, it's a number one factor in this explosion of suicides, and it's a number one factor in, in, in an increase in traffic deaths worldwide, suicides worldwide, teenage suicide. Now, the three major killers of our kids have all exploded. Suicide, traffic deaths, where'd that come from? You know, I, I got teenage grandchildren now. You know, I got a grandson who's a high school class of 2020, you know? The wow. best name of my, my little grandson is high school class of 2020, the absolute masters of senior skip day. Yeah, serious. <laughs> Those guys have nailed it. A record yes. that will never be matched. So, uh, uh, you know, when I had three teenage boys, the number one killer of kids was traffic deaths. And statistically speaking, it should be a parent's number one concern. And it was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a lot of resources at that point in my life, but I made doggone sure they all had a car with airbags. And I always made them wear their seatbelt. And two out of three tested it. Nobody told me the single most important thing I could have done was make them get a good night's sleep the night before they got behind the wheel. It's so obvious. How could I have missed it? I, I know that about truck drivers and airline pilots. Why couldn't I apply it to my own children when they get behind the wheel of the vehicle? And the third major of our kids is drug overdoses, especially yep. worldwide opiate epidemic. There are many drugs. Why are opiates a drug of choice? Prescription opiates have always been there. Why aren't they suddenly being abused? Sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. The muscles and tendons never get a chance to fully relax. Doc, I heard all the time, give me a pill to fix. You don't need a pill. You need more sleep. I need to knock off the caffeine shortly after lunch. Those mega doses of caffeine after lunch are preventing you from getting deep cycle sleep. And, and you're not able to fully relax and you wake up and you've got, you've got chronic pain. So we've got this, 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 this caffeine epidemic, this horrendous levels of caffeine abuse. We've got a worldwide epidemic of sleep deprivation. And then we wonder where the opiate epidemic came from. The three major um, killers worldwide have exploded. Yes. Drug overdoses, especially opiates, suicides and traffic deaths. And if we gave one hoot in hell, about our responders. If we gave one damn about our kids, the first place we would be looking is their sleep and their quality of sleep. Mm. And so real quickly, let me recap two things on shifts. Number yes. one, in law enforcement, that 12-hour shifts are a disaster. Uh, California Highway Patrol, 10,000 people moved at 12, they dropped a year later like a hot rock. In, in, at the end of a 12-hour shift, people are exhausted. They will say things and do things that will regret. You're not getting 12 hours work on them. The data's there. Tens are doable. Put a hard cap on it. The tens are doable. But that leap from 10 to 12 hours shift, bad things are happening. Yep. They want to be like firefighters. Cops want to be like firefighters. Work 12 hours <laughs> shift, do. all that time off. Well, firefighters mm-hmm. get to sleep on the job. I know. Look, I'm a cop. You're a cop. Let's admit, only firefighters and prostitutes make money in bed. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know we're teasing. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes those guys go long and hard too. EMS yeah, in particular can have response after response. EMS, oh, man. Doing 12 and 24 hour shifts as an as a EMS, that's insane. We cannot keep working that way. Yeah. We've got to build in sleep. Oh, but we got to end these long shifts. Oh, then we wouldn't have enough people. Then hire more and pay them more. Mm. And when we start running short on people, we'll find the money. We're a wealthy nation. When things run wrong, we throw money at it. But the single most destructive thing we could possibly do is rotating shifts. Just do some online research. Just, just Google shift work. 
And in the medical community, shift work almost always implies rotating shifts. Mm-hmm. Rotating shifts takes years off people's lives and it destroys families. Families can handle day shift. Family can handle night shift. They cannot handle rotating shifts. The data is there. I tell people, you're rotating shifts. Start saving money now. You're going to be sued. You're going to be successfully sued. You're taking years off their life. You're destroying their family. And you're absolutely destroying their performance. Mm -hmm. Every time we rotate shifts, we're giving everybody jet lag. It takes up the full year to fully adapt the night shift. We need as much stability as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. The old timers knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. In for your shift based on seniority. Mm-hmm. Want to stay at night? So like them, good for you. Stay at night. Hunt the wolf. It took a whole year to fully adapt your body to night shift. You got the seniority. You want to move the day shift? You've earned it. You got the seniority. It's the only fair system. You move the day shift. What happens when new guys come on board and say, I don't want to wait to get seniority to be on day shift. This is no fair. Let's rotate shifts. Well, suck it up, buttercup. Right. Because rotating shifts means everybody loses. Yeah. We can't keep doing that. It gives everybody jet lag. It puts everybody behind the performance curve. Somebody is going to do something stupid. Yes. Rotated shifts. They're going to rotate shifts. They'll be in the middle of jet lag. They're going to do something stupid and they will sue the China command. You know, it's going to take the chain of command being sued to get them to listen and to pay attention. I know. They say they care about suicides. They say they care about, 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 uh, about traffic deaths. And then they continue to pursue the most stupid policy imaginable. But remember, remember, let go of the things you can't control. Let go of them. Right now, you can't do anything about your shifts. Your union can. Your police association can. You can start networking and working to get this changed but let's identify the things that you can control starting tonight these are the things you can do to get quality sleep and sleep 101 begins with nap 101 naps are friend but shoot for 30 minutes as a minimum nap anything less than 30 minutes is pretty much a waste of time Grand the road, your head is bobbing. Take the little micro naps. We've all been there. Right? Your head's bobbing. Yes. Take the little micro naps. Uh-huh. We've all been there. I've been there. <laughs> Pull, over. Pull over. Take a 10-minute nap. The alarm goes off. Going to have a startle response. But as far as sleep deprivation goes, that 10-minute nap was a total waste of time. Put your head down for 30 minutes. The alarm goes off. You're bleary and you're groggy. You don't want to get up. You know why? Because you're asleep. Yeah. It took 30 minutes fall solid. Deep cycle. I don't want to get back to bed asleep. Anything less than 30 minutes is pretty much a waste of time. So that means the snooze alarm is not our friend. Yes. Snooze alarm always set for about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's just that time. Get the shuttle response. We've all been there. The snooze alarm is an evil little button that makes you relive the worst part of every day over and over again. That mm. I'm deadly serious. Never touch that snooze alarm again. Look, you get a 10-minute snooze, another snooze, third snooze. You just threw away 30 minutes of your life. Mm. Well, three snoozes, Nova, as far as sleep goes, you and anybody in the room with you, that Nova, as far as your life goes, you threw away 30 minutes of the day to trick your body and go to that sleep. I will teach you a trick that'll put 30 minutes of quality sleep back in every day. Three and okay. a half hours sleep back in every week. Two queer, beautiful nights sleep back in every month. 24 nights sleep back in every year. Set the alarm a half hour later and get the hell out of bed. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> and, and, and here's the key. Here's the key. Willpower, grit, determination. Give a kid a marshmallow. Eat this marshmallow right now. Mm-hmm. I'll be back in three months with another one. 
If you don't need it, have them both. Mm. You know, that is the single greatest predictor of success in life. Mm. You can't change your kid's IQ. You can't change your IQ. You can change your kid's willpower, self-discipline. You can change yours starting tonight. Is the first act of every morning to surrender to your body. Was the first act of every morning that take charge of your body, roll out of bed. I'm in control of my body. My body doesn't control me. Muhammad Ali, boxer, great champion. He said championship began every morning when the alarm went off. Mm. He hated running so bad, he put his running shoes on top of the alarm. When he hit the alarm, he grabbed his running shoes. Mm. That is champion willpower. Yes. And it begins when that alarm goes off. And I'm deadly serious. Set your cell phone for 10 alarms. Six o'clock, six o'clock, six o'clock, six o'clock. And by the time you turn all those alarms off, you're up. That's a good idea. And, and the you that goes to bed at night has got to make you get out in the morning, get out of bed. All right, naps are a friend, nothing less than about 30 minutes. Mm. Cell phone, the, 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 the uh, snooze alarm is evil. Never touch it again. And, and by the way, do some research on that. The research tells us it's like you're trying to train your body to take 10-minute naps and it can't do it. Mm. You will have physical, psychological harm to your body with a snooze alarm. All right, now, maybe the most important sleep hack of all, sleep in a truly dark room. Mm. And I mean, if you can tell us daytime outside, that's way too much light. Make the room as dark as you can. The docs say just the glowing dial of a clock is too much. And wear a sleep mask. Mm. I'm a huge fan of the sleep mask. I did a little piece on my, on my Facebook page a while back on the two sleep masks that I like the best and why I like them and how they apply. But wear a sleep mask. In the armed forces, we're passing these sleep masks out to everybody by the fistful. Really? You sleep in a truly dark room and train your children to sleep in the dark. Mm. Babies are sloshing with melatonin. Babies can sleep anywhere. As we get older and older, the body produces less and less melatonin. By the time we become teenagers, it is very important that we're sleeping in a totally dark room. Remember, sleep deprivation is killing our children. Mm. Suicides, traffic deaths, and drug overdoses. But it's not just sleep, it's bad quality sleep. Teach them to sleep in a truly dark room. That teach them to use that, 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 that sleep mask like mommy and daddy do, yeah? Mm -hmm. And you will give them some good habits. Mm. Alcohol is not our friend. And no. Nothing wrong with a nightcap. It looks like one drink on the way to bed doesn't have a negative effect. But around three drinks, you are having a terrible impact on your quality of sleep. So wear that Fitbit, wear that sleep, wear that fitness app that'll track your sleep. Pound down three beers and go to bed and see what it does to your sleep. You'll fall quickly into a shallow sleep. You'll stay in a shallow sleep. You wake up in a couple hours and can't get back to sleep. Don't use alcohol to put yourself to sleep. But caffeine, final point. Mm -hmm. Caffeine can be our friend. Caffeine can be one of the most effective, powerful drugs we've ever found that temporarily limit the vulnerability of sleep deprivation if we're not abusing the drug on a daily basis. Ah. If you're putting mega doses of caffeine in your body on a daily basis, when you need it, it's not there. <laughs> Look, well, we've all seen crackheads. We've all seen people who are mainlining a drug just to stay normal. That's what's happened to a lot of people with caffeine. If you wanted to start rocking your world and getting quality sleep, you've got to admit that you have a caffeine addiction. Mm. And you've got to get it under control. Now, here's the test. Take the test. Cut off all caffeine for one day. 
if you get withdrawal symptoms, that's what's happened. Those are withdrawal symptoms. Headaches, shakes, digestive problems, irritability, those are withdrawal symptoms. And, and if you cut off all caffeine for one day and you get withdrawal symptoms, what more proof do you need mm. that you're abusing the drug? Mm. And so here's what you do. Taper off, taper off slowly. And here's what we know. Coffee and tea appear to be very, very good for us. Coffee drinkers across the board are living several years longer than non-coffee drinkers. Some of y'all saying, I must be immortal then, yeah. Now, I, I think one of the reasons coffee might be so good for us is that the other stuff is so bad for us. Mm. Those sugary drinks, those sugary drinks are a carcinogen. They're eating us alive, they destroy our, our hearts. That, you know, those sugary drinks, you know, the, the sodas, the sugar drinks, think of them like a candy bar. One soda a day, one candy bar, not gonna kill us. Right. If you only form a hydration of sodas, you only form a hydration of candy bars. If you only form a nutrition of candy bars, you've got a problem. Yeah. And, and, and the diet sodas appear to be even worse. Mm. You know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with diet soda a day. If your blood type is diet coke and that's your only form of hydration, you've got a problem. Mm -hmm. so, so stick with coffee and tea. And here's what we know. About four normal-sized cups of coffee a day, it appear to be good for us. Must be on four, and it starts getting bad. Mm. Have a cup or two of coffee at tea at breakfast, cup or two at lunch, then switch to decaf and have all you want. And then, when you need it, it'll be there for you. Mm. You're working an extended shift, you're double shift, you're changing shifts. Caffeine will be there for us if used responsibly. And here's what we know. The energy drinks are condensed poison. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Totally. We, we, we are just about to hit 20 years of war. And for the first 15 years of war, we passed out energy drinks to our troops like water. They gave them to us by the pallet, and we gave them the troops by the six-pack. Wow. Aren't we nice guys? <laughs> and then we did two major Department of Defense-wide studies on the energy drinks. Today, for all practical purpose, there is a complete ban on issuing energy drinks in the U.S. Armed Forces. Wow. They're like cigarettes. They're, they're bad for you. You're an adult. You want to buy your own. Not going to stop you. We'll never buy them for you. Mm. In a tactical environment, the one take the most energy drinks were the ones most likely to nod off on the job. Wow. In academic environment, the one take the most energy drinks were the ones with the worst jobs. They are exactly the opposite of what you think they are. They're making you less alert. They're making you less able. Here's what they do. They give you a one-hour burst of physical ability before a PT test, before an athletic event, one energy drink is not a bad idea. The second one feels good for 10 minutes and you crash. Third one feels good for five minutes, you crash. All you're doing is putting mega doses of caffeine on your body and some stuff that makes you metabolize it quickly. Again, it'll give you one hour burst of physical ability. Beyond that, they are, they're poison. Mm. And, and why do we put that stuff in our bodies? Sodas, diet sodas, energy drinks. Well, coffee and tea and just plain old water appear to be so good for us. Mm. So, so identify the things you can change right now. Don't touch that snooze alarm. Sleep in a truly dark room. No more than one drink on the way to bed. Mm. Cut off caffeine. And, and, and here's the key. The half-life of caffeine in our body is five hours. That means that caffeine you took at 5 p.m. is still a half strength when you go to bed at 10 p.m. And it's making us have bad quality sleep. It doesn't make you not sleep. It makes you have bad quality sleep the muscles and tendons ever fully relax. Mm. You don't get that deep cycle sleep. And, and, and one thing we, we're learning 
I'm a huge science geek. My favorite website is sciencedaily.com. Check it every day through most categories. And we're beginning to realize that sleep deprivation and lack of deep cycle sleep are major factors in Alzheimer's. Now, that should scare the hell out of all of us. Mm -hmm. This is stuff that you can start controlling right now that will immensely reduce the probability of Alzheimer's in your life and the life of your children. But making them, you know, my uh, my daughter-in-law runs our uh, our church uh, uh, teen group. Sometimes they call her the caffeine Nazi because she makes them stop drinking caffeine after lunch. But they do it lovingly. They realize she is doing something very good. She is teaching me to set limits when it comes to this uh, amazing, addictive, and 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 powerful drug. Mm. So these are the things we can do with our children. We can set these standards. Who's going to be your mommy? Who's going to make you get that sleep? Mm-hmm. These are things we can control right now. Block out time, make it work. You know, one other thing to talk about too, while, while we got the time here, is uh, is autumn is masks. Wearing a mask all the time. Yeah. Uh, in the army, we hit times when we wear our gas mask for days on end, and it absolutely drives people insane. Mm. You got to build up to it. Wear a gas mask for an hour or two, and then half a day, and then a full day. So even those who have gone through the whole process of wearing a mask for all these years mm-hmm. still can't let go of the stress. Mm-hmm. I'm up on a hillside during an exercise. We've, we've been in our gas masks all day long and what they call a full protection, the mop suit and the mask. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking on the radio to, a, I'm a captain, a company commander, talking to the ops officer, a major, one rank higher than me. Yep. And he said, he said, you're not wearing your mask. You put your mask on. I said, well, the battalion chaplain is sitting right beside me. He will confirm to you I have my mask on. When you hear a bad voice come over the radio, mm-hmm. you are not hearing the mask. You're hearing the stress in their voice. Mm, With so the true. receiver right up to the voice meter, talk normally, and you can sound just like me. Well, he, mm-hmm. he didn't like the little smart ass telling him that very much, but it's mm. true. It's true. And, 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 and if, if trained professionals have stress in their voice when they've got to work with a mask. How much so are all the, the, the civilians out there? Yes. Masks? Yes. Make allowances for that. Understand that. And mm. understand that the vast majority of our nonverbal communication is in our mouth. And we're not able to get that nonverbal communication. I, it's awful. It really yeah. is. Yeah, you can't, you can't smile. You can't. You're losing all of that. So... You have to make up for that. You have to speak with your hands. You have to do lots of hand gestures. You know, with thumbs up and wave with all your fingers. You understand it? And, uh, and, 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 and recognize the fact that I've got to get through a communication barrier with this person. Mm-hmm. I have to be calm. I have to communicate calm. And here's where the breathing comes in. You know, in my book on combat, all your listeners out there, if they could just listen to one of my books or read one of my books, it would be on combat, issued in the DA Academy, issued in the Marshals Academy. That's my favorite book. Of- <laughs> oh, thank you. You're, you're, you're awesome, lady, in so many ways. The brains and the beauty of this thing. So, uh, <laughs> along with Aaron, by the way. So, uh, uh, the, uh, I've got hundreds of case studies that people have sent in to me about how the book saved their life and where they mm-hmm. applied it, how they applied it. And of all of the subjects, the biggest file folder is the breathing. Mm-hmm. I just had a guy send me an email about how he, uh, you know, he came back from Iraq. And now the vast majority come back as stronger people. A tiny minority have PTSD. We're good at training, at treating them. 
but he had some baggage. He was taken home with him from the war. And uh, he was doing some mountain climbing and he was up on, you know, they camped out on the, on the, at the top of a glacier. And he got up in the middle of the night completely disoriented. And he was stumbling around on a glacier without the crampons that you would use to get the grip on the ice, without the tools you would have. And he said, he said, I remembered, I heard your voice saying, breathe in through the nose, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. And I did. And I realized I was literally a step away from stepping off a cliff. Mm -hmm. So we get these stories all the time. Remember, there's one thing you can control, it's yourself. Yeah. And right now, take a deep breath in through the nose. Breathe in, breathe in, breathe in. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Let it out, let it out, let it out, let it out. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. What'd you just do? You, took a, you just took a deep <laughs> breath. You took yeah. a deep breath. You know, anytime yeah, you want to. You do that anytime. Stop and take mm -hmm. that breath in through the nose. And you know, test anxiety, when you try to take a test in condition red, you want to be in condition yellow. Yes. You want to be in a calm state. And so uh, teaching kids, the little kids, the breathing exercise is really important. And mm -hmm. how they teach it to kids. It's a great tool. You hit the kids like three years old. I did it with my grandkids. You know, grandkids are awesome. You know, you, you spoil them, you ruin them, and then send them home with their, to their parents as a, as a payback for what they did to you. You know, grandkids are God's reward for not strangling your teenagers. You know? so, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, so I did it with my, my grandkids, right? And, and here's what you do. And you have a, the doc does it in the office as a plastic scented flower. I just went out and plucked a flower. And the doc lights a candle. And mm -hmm. the doc models the behavior to the kid. I'm talking three years old. They get it. Smelling the flower. Enjoy it. Mm -hmm. out so the true. Watch the smoke. Now you do it. That fast. So true. Got a three-year-old breathing on command. And I mean, it is like one of the greatest life skills you can give a kid at a young age. So mm -hmm. a cop told me, a cop told me, he said, I had a, a four-year-old daughter who was getting worked up, holding her breath, freaking us out, took her to the dock. Doc taught her how to breathe just like that, smelling the flower, enjoy it. Blow out the candle, watch the smoke. Now you do it. He said, so I'm driving in traffic one day. My little four-year-old girl's in the backseat in the kid seat, having a bad day. Somebody cuts me off in traffic. I'm leaning out the window, screaming at this guy, waving my fist from the backseat. And my daughter say, breathe, daddy, breathe. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, you know what? It worked. It mm. worked. Sometimes we all need that little reminder. That hand on the shoulder says, breathe. Mm -hmm. So these are crazy times. Uh, our responders are rising to the challenge. We're working incredible shifts. Uh, we have got to get this sleep under control. It's destroying us. Yeah. And so one thing we can control is make your sleep quality sleep and do that with your children. It's something you can do starting tonight. Yeah. And if you are a, any kind of a, a supervisor for responders and you really gave a damn, if you gave one hoot in the hell about the lives you were responsible for, mm -hmm. if you care about suicide, if you care about traffic deaths, if you care about drug overdoses, you know, doggone well, the place began to sleep management. If I were king, mm -hmm. you pass one law, I would mandate sleep for all responders. Oh, oh they, we wouldn't have enough. Well, good. Hire more, pay more. Seriously. Oh, no. we're, we're a wealthy nation. When things go wrong, we throw money at it. And we have just begun to throw money at this problem. And, and our responders should be the best paid, best trained people on the planet. I can't agree more. They, they are the ones who hold our lives in their hands every day. 
Mm. And they should be the best paid, best trained people on the planet. And we got to fight for that. Mm. And the one thing that has come out of this whole pandemic is the knowledge that those people are the ones who will be there for us in an hour of greatest need. Mm. And we got to prepare for that. So we, we can push that envelope. We can drain those people. Well, what other things are on your radar screen right now that we can share with your audience? Well, they're going to ask you some questions in a minute. Um, but before we go there, I have, I just want to ask you, so you're, you know, you're brilliant and you have so much to offer and I want to get back to that, but I have to ask you this. How was your time in the white house? Like, tell me about that. Like, what was that like? You know, I I was there twice after the, uh, at the Parkland school massacre. And, and, and these things are not shootings. Shootings have to range every day. We got it. Words have power. We've got to stop calling criminal act a shooting. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, when you're a shooting, you're condemned by your own words. Words have power. So after the Parkland School Massacre is invited to the president's off the round table or, or the Oval Office or out the, the president's round table on violent video games. And, and all I can tell you is I only chimed in once or twice, but the president, an amazingly gracious and, uh, and, 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 and uh, professional individual. You know what? felt like politicians to me, uh, we've all been around politicians, you know, and they've always been a little slimy. Mm-hmm. They'll never make a commitment. They don't, they, 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 politicians never lead their push. Their mm-hmm. constituents want this, and so they do it. The people mm-hmm. want this, and so they do it. Right. And, and, uh, and, and, and that wasn't what I was looking at when I looked at the president. You know, it felt to me like I was a company commander, and he was a battalion commander, and we had to command his staff around the table. Mm. They wanted to hear what everybody had to say, and he truly was paying attention. He was truly applying it and respectful and and you, you respect him i mean mm-hmm. if you if you were disrespect to your commander he <laughs> he bust your chops right you know, you know one of the things a lot of these politicians they've never had anybody disrespect them. Mm-hmm. they've always had yes men all around them they've had people around them never had anybody who got in their face mm-hmm. you know business people like the president business people have people get in your face all the time right it's part of the part of the, the process the next day we're friends right but you you get in a politician's face it's over they it's never forgive over. you they never yeah. forgive you so yeah. I, I tell you i think it in so many ways that man to me was so much more healthy than the normal politician yeah and and they've never had anybody just flat tell them you're an idiot you know yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and you, you don't deserve my attention at this time Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny, too, because he's able to forgive the next day. But after yeah. three or four times, when you're no longer willing to, if you keep attacking him, then you're done. Then you're done. If, if that, I just was really impressed. And then I met with the vice president, briefed him for a half hour. Another very gracious and impressive guy. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, I, I'll tell you a little story. Now, I, I was asked the day before I was in Washington, would you like to go to the president's roundtable on violent video games? I said, sure. And so on. I'm wearing my jeans. My leather, you know, cowboy type vest, and I put on a bolo tie, right? I put on my little cowboy tie. And because uh, that's all I had. You yeah. know, when I dress up out of the road, I put my little bolo tie on. That's mm-hmm. it. And I went to the White House and I did my piece. You know, I spoke up a couple of times and we're in the Oval Office, you know, uh, and we had the video game industry there and I spoke up and I felt like I was, I did well for myself. I had under control. It's funny, I stress out more with the vice president, really. And, uh, and uh, and uh, afterwards, we all go to the Oval Office right next door and shake the president's hand and get a picture. And he, he's standing, he, you know, I'm, I'm there. There's his his wife, and he points to me and he says, "Colonel, it's a great man." Whoa, 
president of the United States called me a brave man in the Oval Office. Could like a, you know, I, I spoke to these guys. Yeah, right. No, because mm-hmm. it's stupid. I've go to the White House without wearing a tie. <laughs> I don't know. And then first time, well, that's pretty cool. I thought, no, it's just because of what I was dressed in. You know, but it's what I had. <laughs> anyway, uh, gracious, good people. Uh, uh, I think uh, in many ways, just from an old soldier standpoint, from a, I'm a cop, you're a cop. Uh, you know, cops know about the people around them. Yes. Cops can really tell you about the people they're around every day. Mm-hmm. And it's not hard to get them to respect you. Mm-hmm. Respect them. Mm-hmm. And I tell you that the Secret Service, the cops around Clinton despised the man. Mm-hmm. And they didn't think too highly of Obama, and they absolutely hated Hillary. I mean, with, mm-hmm. with a passion. Yeah. Abusive, destructive, horrendous human being. And I hope I'm not losing any listeners out there, but this is what the cops will flat tell you. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it's not hard. But the cops around our current leadership, they really deeply respect these people. Wow. But, I mean, look at, look at what he does for us. Yes, I mean, yes, you, he's yes. writing letters to our police yes. officers. He's standing out there. He's, oh, you know, and he, all, we, all it takes is three minutes to take a picture that's with right. him. That's right. These are things that Obama and Clinton would never do. Just take nope. three minutes for the people who took time out of their lives to help keep you safe. Yeah. To do a picture with them and make sure everybody gets a copy of the picture. Come on, this is not hard. Yeah. And yet for Obama and especially Clinton, it was just wasn't on their radar screen. You were no. just garbage. You were you were beneath their their attention. Yeah. So anyway, it was it was a good opportunity. And I hope my I haven't hurt anybody's feelings. There's some real strong beliefs in our politics today. But I, yeah. I personally can tell you that from almost every reasonable, rational perspective, it, there's some good things happening out there. Well, we're happy to hear that. We're yeah, happy man. to hear that. Yeah, man, at least from my two bits. Well, that's perfect. I love hearing, yeah. and I love hearing about your experience. Um, if anybody has wants to ask um, the Colonel a question, please, can you raise your hand or unmute yourself? Um, and that way we can get going while everybody's formulating like a question because everybody's like a little starstruck. Um, hey, and, and this is, you know, I want to I, I do three things right now. Okay. Every podcast, I always try to honor the listeners and the host. You know, I've been on 60 Minutes and 2020 and Larry King across these years and 23 years on the road doing this two, 300 days a year. And, and, and I found out it means nothing, nothing, nothing. 60 minutes, they, get, they whittle it down to three minutes. Uh, you have no control of what they're going to say. And a week later, everybody has forgotten it. Mm-hmm. So it, it was never possible to have true citizen journalism. You know, in every, in every city, there were maybe two newspapers. There were three networks. There were maybe a dozen national magazines. And if you didn't get in there, you, there was no mechanism to get to a national audience. Well, now we've broken through those barriers. And, and, and we're, we're getting deeper levels of knowledge. To you, the host who put this podcast together, you can't imagine the work that goes into it. I, yeah. I honor you. And for you, the listeners who are seeking a higher level, a deeper level of knowledge, I honor you. But you yes. in particular, this first one I've ever done a podcast with an audience. Isn't it's it amazing? Cool. I love it. It's, so, yeah. Yeah. Pioneer in it, and yet another field. It's, it's cool because um, we created the next level first response. Uh-oh, I think Reminded. Adam, we lost you for a second. Try Am I back? Yeah. 
Okay. Sorry. But what I was saying is that we created the next level first responder mastermind and that's what they're a part of. And it's, it's beautiful because it is next level. And so it's amazing. It's amazing that they're here and that you're here and that we're going to learn and grow together. I I put a quote out today, Colonel, and you might like this is that um, I said, if you're the smartest in the room, then get the F out because (laughs) 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 you you know, you always want to surround yourself with, you know, brilliant people. Yes. I think it's important. Now, does now who wants to go first? I know that John, you've got questions. Do you want to ask? You want to go first? Of course. Go ahead. All right. Well, thanks for uh, throwing me right to the wolves. I guess. Um, Good to see John. Good to meet you, brother. (laughs) Yes, uh, it's great listening. Um, uh, Let's see. My first one will be kind of a two-part question. Sure. Uh, What's your greatest achievement and failure? And what did you learn from each of those? You know, uh, my greatest achievement, I think, has been the guy who can see things clearly. You know, uh, uh, I, I talk about violence around the planet. And, and in, the first, in the first 15 minutes of my class, I absolutely blow people's minds. I show them the homicide rate, but I tell them something terribly important, that the murder rate is being held down by medical technology. When I tell them, it's such... It's like, why don't we know this? The murder rate's being held down by medical technology. You know, uh, um, and, and right around the year 2000, a UMass Harvard study said, if we had 1970s level medical technology, the murder rate would be three to four times what it is. So this is a good data point, right? And, and one medical expert says he believes in the last decade alone, tourniquets have cut the murder rate in half. Today, every cop carries a tourniquet. EMS, I carry one. Civilians carry it. Cop slaps on a tourniquet, saves a life. He's prevented a murder. If just 20 to 30 cops a day slap on a tourniquet and prevent a murder, we cut the murder rate in half. And in these stunningly violent times, that's not a hard thing to imagine happening out there. So, so recognize the fact that, uh, that, that, you know, I told the vice president, I said, when we talk about the money, we talk about inflation adjusted dollars. We all understand we compare money over any period of time, we're lying if we don't allow for inflation. When we talk about the murder rate over any time, we're lying if we don't allow for medical technology. So do you understand that? Which is boom, that fast. We, I, I, I've been the guest presenter in over 100 universities and colleges. I'm like the, the criminal justice presenter and CJ presenter. And, and, and I tell them the entire field of criminal justice is flawed. How can we keep going like this? How can we not reflect this? Here's what the crime rate actually looks like if we allow for medical technology. And it's bad. It's very bad. Latin America is out of control. The world's coming unglued. Just the ability to see things clear. And let me give you an example. Now, first responders, all you folks out there, the neat thing is most of us don't wear ties, right? And, and, and this is kind of off the wall, but you ask the question, I tell you about seeing things clearly. You know, uh, the fashions come and go, but the necktie has been there for over a century. And, 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 and it starts down here, it comes up there, it's got a big knob. Folks, it is a dick. It is a phallic symbol. And, and, and I'm telling you, I will tell you this, and you look at the president with this big power tie and the big knob coming up here, and, and you can't ignore it. And, and, and I'm telling you, 100 years from now, they're going to see the pictures, the elders of the church, the presidents, the little boys wearing the little power tie. They're going to say, they're all wearing dicks. 
Couldn't they see it? Couldn't they see it? No, they can't. Now, I want to get credit. And, and I'm telling you, folks, like, think, you know, I tell my cops, look, you're a detective, right? You and your partner got your big power tie and suit on. It works. The reason why it stayed with us across all, over a century, it works. And you walk up to the front door and you got your power tie on and the other guy's little monkey brain says, ooh, ooh, ooh. at some unconscious level, it works. But don't try to push cops because they push back. You know, the chief stands up there with the suit and tie on and you don't have, they don't have ties on. You're, you're, not, you're not impressing anybody. You try to push cops, they push back. Mm-hmm. And, and, and women, women almost never wear a tie. Women wear almost anything men wear. The only time you see women wear a tie is like when they're a waitress. Some, it's demeaning. And the monkey brain looks at a woman with a tie and says, oh, oh, what's that? Oh. And it doesn't work. And, 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 and uh, you know, the cowboy now, the cowboy wears a little string tie, right? Because he's not playing that game, right? And, and the guy that wears the bow tie, he says, I'm not playing that, that macho game. And what do we do when we all get together in the evening and we're be suave in the boner, right? We all wear our tuxedos, a penguin suit, little bow tie, right? We set aside that. And, and so I'm telling you, you know, I, I want to get credit for being the first one. I, and, and I am, truly. Again, there's anybody else. The first one said, dude, why are we wearing these dips? And a hundred years from now, they say, didn't they understand? Couldn't they see it? So, you know, that I, I think my, my best achievement when it comes to killing, the resistance to killing, how we had to overcome that resistance, how it's doing the same thing to our children, the violence rates in just a few little ways, I've been able to see things clearly, see things that maybe other people weren't seeing. And I peeled away layers of the onion, you know, on killing. I thought the heart of combat was killing. No. Then on combat, that's what's really at the heart of combat. Auditory exclusion, slow motion, time, tunnel vision, memory gaps. And then at the very, as you keep peeling away the layers, my most recent work is, uh, is, is on spiritual combat. Because in the end, uh, we're fighting a battle at, at, at a spiritual level. And, and if we're not functioning at that level, then, then you're going to have trouble sustaining yourself over the long haul. Mm-hmm. Now, my worst failure, I would tell you up front, was probably the visit with the vice president. I thought I was going to have a half hour to brief him from beginning to end. I was going to turn on the fire hose. And, and, and I should have just kept it focused on what he wanted was what was in on spiritual com- or, or on my book, uh, Assassination Generation. And it should have stayed focused on the subject. And, uh, you, know, I, I'm, you know, maybe someday I'll get another chance. I'll learn my lesson. Guys like that, they don't want you to give a half-hour presentation. They're all over it right from the beginning. They, they, you know, things start coming unglued. And, uh, and it, was, it turned out okay. Mm. But it, it didn't do as well as I would have liked to it have. And, and the lesson learned when you, people at that level stay absolutely focused on what they want, get that out of the way, and then maybe we'll diverge from there. You know, here I am. I've done, I mean... Two, three hundred days a year for, for, for 23 years straight, I've been on the road presenting. I thought I had it down to a science. Then I realized that when you're at that level, the dynamics completely change. So lesson learned. And next time we'll be better prepared to do that kind of thing. What a beautiful lesson, though. Can I just highlight this? Yeah, I yeah. want to just highlight yeah. this for everybody. Because I want everybody to understand what a beautiful thing this is. Because, And that was a great question, John. And I want to thank you for that. Because we just talked to our expert, right? And he in, obviously has gone a lot of places, done a lot of things. And he just sat and was like, look, I, this was like, he's so humble enough to be able to be like, this is the mistake that I made. And so pay attention to what he's saying. When you're in a room with somebody at that level or just anybody, you know, high level people, they're busy, cut right to the chase. So, well, let's not, you know, and like what he's saying, like he made this mistake, and but you know what? Let's all learn from it. Amen. And, 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 and 
Yeah. Well, and thank you for sharing that because yeah. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot He's of still people. A very gracious guy. He gave me a picture signed by him, you know, but, uh, but in, in a way I, I kind of didn't earn it, you know, and, and, and I could see early on, they kind of, you know, this guy's going off in different directions and, uh, so yeah, you're right. And, and, and just recognize the fact that you may be a law enforcement trainer, but actually presenting to people at high levels, is a different skill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's about being focused and using your time effectively, specifically in what they're asking for. And, and like when I do my presentations, I blow people's minds away. I thought, oh, I'll be able to do this in this case. And it didn't work out quite like I worked it with. I love it. What else you got, John? Do you have anything else for him? Uh, I have other questions, but I don't want to hog okay. all the well, time. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll if, any, if anybody else I know, um, Katie, are you able to talk to him right now? No? Okay. She, she wants to talk to you in a minute, I, but I, she's on patrol. <laughs> Katie, you're awesome. In the front lines of freedom. God bless you. Um, Don, do you have a question? Would you like to talk? No? Shannon, do you have a question? They're like, no. Okay, go ahead, John. Ask your questions. Uh, I want to let you know right now in this podcast that uh, Katie's driving her police, you know, her law enforcement vehicle. Got her cell phone set down there. We can see her behind the wheels. She's off doing the Lord's work right now and uh, driving her vehicle. Can't chime in. But how cool that, uh, you know, she's out there doing her thing and listening in. John, go ahead, please. Oh, let's see. Um, My wife and I are expecting our first child in November. And... Thank you. Um, my biggest worry is kind of bringing the negative that I experience, you know, on a daily basis at work home with me. And I guess, you know, it's spilling over in parenting because I see bad parenting yeah. every day. Yeah. Well, so what, what advice would you, uh, yeah. well, give first to me? off, uh, uh, you know, my book, uh, uh, a kid's book called, uh, sheepdogs meet America's heroes. And, uh, you know, if you send me an email with a, uh, with a mailing address, I'll get you a copy of the book. Just a little kid. Okay. And, you know, about five, they really begin to get up. My co-author, Stephanie Rogish, she contacted me. She's an elementary teacher. Said, you should write a kid's book about the whole sheepdog thing. I said, well, let's do it together. And she did a great job. She just took the lead. And, uh, and, uh, and it's a neat book about being the sheepdog. I'll wrap up, maybe just my final comments. You know, it wraps up by sometimes the greatest love is not to sacrifice your life, but to live a life of sacrifice. Second, I tell you this. Um, I got three boys and I got grandkids. And by the grace of God, they turned out okay. You know, most of the credit goes to my wife, you know, because uh, I, I look back on all the mistakes I made, all the things I did. Just understand that they're really amazingly resilient. And what you look at is, is mistakes and things you regret in the end are pretty minimal. You know, the one thing I did right with the kids, and, and it's sometimes called the last 30 minute rule. In general, whatever you do in the last 30 minutes before you go to bed is what you're going to dream about. And what you dream about, what you process in the long term memory. We've all staggered right off a shift and gone to sleep and dreamed that we we're at work, right? You know, we've all been there, you know. Or, you know, you're a dishwasher and, you know, you're, you're doing your thing all day long. I remember as a kid and I staggered home and went to sleep and all I could dream about was washing dishes. So, you know, the kid may have had a really bad day, but what you do in those last 30 minutes can be really important. And, and I, you should read to him. You should read to him. You should read a lot. And I mean, uh, we, read, we read chapter books, what we call chapter books, right? You know, like uh, the Narnia series by C.S. Lewis, who read you know, all but one of the books, a chapter a night to my three boys, night after night. 
And, and I tell you, you know, there's, there's a book called The Read Aloud Book, and it has a poem about how blessed I was to have a parent who read to me. You know? And, uh, and uh, just, just capture those last 30 minutes before they go to bed. You know, I'd be working uh, 12, 16-hour shifts in the military. You know, that's the normal work day. You're lucky if you got the weekend off, you know, just the way it worked. And I'd stagger in the house just a half hour before they were going to bed. So we always had time to get that, that, that few minutes reading to them. And the, you snuggle in close and you read to them. And, uh, and, and you're reading, you know, good stuff. And, uh, and, and, and I, I like poetry. I'd read poetry. I'd read other things to them when they were little. And just the sound of your voice, the closeness, the, what you had, and tuck them into bed. It's one of the greatest gifts you can get of those kids. Realize that they're incredibly resilient. We're all human. You know, give yourself permission to make mistakes. But also, given all of the bad parenting that you see, you're going to be so much better equipped to be a good parent. Have faith in yourself. You are, you are so much better prepared. Your, your daily job demands self-discipline and structure. And if you just take a little bit of that discipline and structure and bring it home, uh, and, uh, and, and, and that same sense of self-discipline, you know, home is not the place where we, we let go of our anger. Home is a place where, where we've got to be even better. Uh, and, and that's not easy. But uh, our book, uh, uh, Bulletproof Marriage, Not I Did Emotional, is really a good way to, 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 to take, again, faith and leverage it to be a better person within your, within your relationship with your spouse. And, and it's a, a lifelong process. You know, the beautiful thing, I'm 63, and I pray that I can keep doing what I do for another 20 years. But the neat thing is to be able to look at yourself and say, you know, I'm a little bit better person this year than I was last year. A lot of that's daily prayers, things I identify where I've got weaknesses and I need help, you know. And, mm. and step by step, day by day, we, we can become better people. You know, and that's why we're, we're so much better grandparents than we were parents. You know, they, they, we really are better people. And, uh, and, and we can so much to give to them at that point in your life. So hang in there, have faith. You know, people say, ah, I just don't want to bring a child into this crazy world. <laughs> if, if everybody said that, then the only ones that have children would be the crazy people. Then we'd be in real <laughs> time. You know? So have faith in our future. Have faith in our nation. Have faith in our way of life. And uh, raise those kids to the best of your ability. And, and have faith that the the vast majority turn out just fine. You know, when people talk about, ah, oh, we're all killers, you know, they, people take up some terrible crime and say, see, we're all killers. I said, no, 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 that's an outlier. You explained to me the 99.9% .9 of our citizens for life, they never kill anybody or even seriously attempt to. Explain that. Divorce, infidelity, layoff, traffic accidents, you know, in a lifetime of provocation, Less than one in a thousand citizens will even seriously attempt to take a human life. Explain that. Inside most healthy members of our species, there's some pretty hardwired resistance against killing our own kind. And, and, and don't focus on the negatives. As cops, we see all we see are the bad parts. Focus on the good parts out there. Realize that that vast, vast majority who didn't need a cop there. And you know, one of the questions I always ask cops, I ride with them, they pick me up at the airport, you know, or you know, they take me back to the airport. Well, why, why did you decide to be a cop? You know, and very often it comes back to a movie or a TV show or a relative that was a cop or a friend yeah. that was a cop. Yeah. But one guy said, he, he, young cop, he said, you know, in the old, uh, you know, the old law enforcement economy, he said, uh, my family was on the supply side. My family were the ones that law enforcement were coming to take care of on a daily basis. And when I was a kid, a lot of bad things happened. He said, well, you know, when a cop showed up, things got better. Mm. And I always said, that's what I want to be. You know, my friend, uh, 
my, my friend Adam Davis will bring you to tears talking about somewhere in America there's a there's a little toddler bruised and beaten and lived his whole life in fear and despair, hiding in a closet somewhere, praying that some angel will come for him. And that angel will be here in a, wearing a cop's uniform. Yeah. Be there for them there our moment of the greatest truth. Mm. And you gotta believe in who you are, you gotta believe in what you do and, and you carry that uh, that dynamic on to uh, to your own children in the years to come and, and raise up a generation of magnificent little sheepdogs who uh, lead us into the future. And mm -hmm. you know, have faith in the future. Have faith in yourself. Beautiful. Katie, do you have a moment? She does. So here's what, so Colonel, she was supposed to be at your training today. Oh, Katie, I'm so sorry it didn't work out, you know? Yeah, I was really disappointed, but then obviously uh, God provided a way, so. Amen, amen, I mean, ain't that cool? Yeah. Uh, things do work yeah. out. Uh, yeah, but like, unfortunately I had to be at work. Um, because I worked third shift last night, and then I had come in for second, which is an every week thing. Yeah. So it's kind of ironic with the sleep deprivation thing, you know, speaking to the person caffeinated and sleep deprived right now. <laughs> Hang in there. Hang in there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I talked to my lieutenant, and he, I said, as long he said, as long as I'm available for calls, I, I can be on this call. So God bless you. you're pretty cool about it. So, uh, yeah, but, it is. It is. Yeah. Thanks for, you so know, thanks for what you're doing out there in uniform, putting your life in the line for us every day, front lines of freedom. Mm. On behalf of yeah. all the military guys who go over there and leave their family over here, mm. we give you our thanks for, for watching their six and covering their back in these times. Mm. So sweet. Thank I, I'm just really excited about being able to actually talk to you. So <laughs> yeah. I don't really have a, I don't really have a question. I just am like, I don't know. I'll probably think of one later. <laughs> that's all right yeah. you know, we all have those moments I tell you what I did it in front of the vice president <laughs> I have our moments you know I was just so cool and confident in front of the president and then and then he got another one and it was a different dynamic like just spaz you know hey we're all human think I'm trying to do a better job the next time you know so don't worry about it God bless you Kevin so glad to have you on board and so glad that Autumn has got you know kind of a, a, a audience on board This, like I said this is so cool Thank you. Yeah. Honored to have you on board, Catherine. And sorry, you know, with that, that meeting didn't get together. I'll do the same thing. Shoot me an email with your mailing address. Have you got a copy of the, the Sheepdog Kids book? I don't. I don't. Do you, Katie? You don't. You don't have it. Don't be mad at me. I don't have kids yet. <laughs> i tell you what, Autumn. i tell you what. Let's do a one. We'll get, we'll get everybody in one shot. Okay. An email with your mailing address and the names, and we'll put a little stack of the Sheepdog Kids books to you. They're really, I'm, if you haven't seen them, they're really good. We'll, we'll wrap up by, by kind of coming around to, to what that book had to say. Well, thank you. Yeah. Do you, do you want to finish up and just kind of tell us a little bit about that book? Yeah. Well, hey, let's do that. Kind of a closing point. You know, uh, yeah. uh, this July, with the 45th anniversary of the marriage of uh, my high school sweetheart. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I tell people she was 15. Uh, I was, uh, I was just turned 17 when I proposed to her. We, we are from Arkansas. And two years later, she married a crazy army paratrooper and been in this ride with me for 44, almost 45 years. She's amazing. Amen. I love her more than life itself. Mm. But 23 years ago, I retired from the army and truly have been on the road somewhere between two and 300 days a year for, for 23 years. 
you know, these last, uh, this, this, the quarantine is the most time we've spent together uh, uh, ever. You know, in the military, you know, you're always off, you know, and we found out we really like each other. It's really pretty cool. <laughs> That's a good but, thing. But uh, for the last 23 years, I'd be out on the road doing my thing. I'd get home one, maybe two nights a week, conjugal visit, clean underwear back on the road. But the only people on earth more precious than my bride, 45 years, is my grandchildren. Mm. And we believe if we love our children, if we love our grandchildren, we love our nation, we love our God, we're going to walk out that door and give 100%. Mm. And all you first responders out there, ain't nobody doing this job to get stinking filthy rich, at least not legally. Truth. Ain't nobody doing this job because your goal was to be a famous celebrity, musician, actor. Eh? When you chose to be a responder, you chose a life of sacrifice. Mm. And you must believe your sacrifice is for a noble and worthy purpose. And, and we wrap up the Sheepdog Kids book by saying the sheep will die to protect the ones they love. Only the sheepdog loves enough to die for other people's loved ones. Only the sheepdog. And goosebumps. I, the great Literally goosebumps. Loves enough to die for other people's loved ones. Mm -hmm. But we wrap up by saying, they're not heroes because they die. They're heroes because they walk out the door every day, prepared to lay down their life. Mm. Sometimes the greatest love is not to sacrifice your life but to live a life of sacrifice, to walk out that door every day of your life, to do a dirty, dangerous, thankless job to the utmost of your ability every day of your life, because you know, if nobody did it, our civilization would no longer exist. Mm. Not to sacrifice your life, but to live a life of sacrifice. For most of our lives, the greatest love. Mm. And as you and the magnificent people who listen to this podcast and the wonderful on-screen audience that we got up here. Well done. Uh, thank you for your lifetime of sacrifice. Thank you right now when we're in the middle of a, of a crisis and, and, and when everybody else is huddled up at home, you're out there putting your life on the line even more so for us every day. To you and all the magnificent men and women who listen to this podcast, thank you and God bless you and God bless America. Thank you very much, Colonel. It's, it means so much to us to have somebody who backs us and supports us and just can't thank you enough. And thank you for this beautiful episode. And thank you, everybody um, who's listening live and who's um, listening to the recording. If you want to get in touch with the Colonel and get some of these books, um, the links are all in the show notes below. And um, you got to go follow him, got to go check out his LinkedIn so we can all check out his memes. Yes. So that's, um, that's Link important. with me on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. Yeah. It, it's got so, you know, you, we can talk about guns and, you know, Facebook is all politically correct. LinkedIn is business focused and, uh, you know, it's free. Just, just cut in there and, and, and link with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. And you can go back and look at my articles and see the memes and stay current. But uh, we also have a Facebook page and killology.com is our uh, is my personal website. So yeah. A lot of ways. Love that. Thank you. And we'll have it all in the show notes. Thank you very much, Colonel. And Sheepdog Nation, I'll see you next time.